Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode. I'm really glad to be back after a very eventful summer and I hope that you have enjoyed and been indulging in both the more internal womb-like cancer season and also now in this fiery Leo season of creativity and heart-based paths that we can take. And today is a very special episode because it's my teacher Ishara de Garis who has been mentoring me for the past year in my priestess training at the goddess Ishtar temple which we call daughters of Ishtar and we're also sharing this episode because we are coming up to a live event in two days the 21st of August it's going to be also recorded where we talk about the upcoming priestess year which starts in the northern hemisphere on the fall equinox uh, so it's in September in in about a month and if you are interested in joining this training and doing the inner work, connecting deeper with your own cycles, connecting with the divine feminine, I highly recommend this path because for me it's been a year of a lot of diving deep into my higher senses, healing, working with the goddess, working with sisters. So it's a really beautiful thing. I've shared all the links in the show notes below. So. If you have any questions, you can always connect with us. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Uh, today we have a, an amazing guest uh, on the podcast, Ishara de Garis. She's my teacher and mentor, and I'm really excited to share uh, her work and uh, yeah, just learn even more from you. Welcome, Ishara. And thank you for having me here today. So lovely to have you here. And for anyone and everyone who's been uh, following the podcast, know that I have a lot of different priestesses on and women who work somehow with the goddess. And I've also shared uh, that I've been doing a priestess uh, path this year that has passed, actually uh, focusing on goddess Ishtar and the uh, I'm really excited today, Ishara, for you who started uh, the Daughters of Ishtar Temple, how you got into that work. If people haven't seen you before or read about you, maybe you want to start by introducing yourself and how you came into this work. Okay, so um, I'm in the very beginning. I was born in Perth, Western Australia, where I still live. Um, my mother is English and my father was a Perth boy. And uh, my parents were 
both quite religious in their youth when they met through their, their student Christian movement. Um, and so when I was a child growing up, spirituality was something that was important in our family. But by the time I reached my teens, I was not sure if Christianity really resonated for me. And I was exploring, wanting to know who am I? What am I on the planet about? And uh, a burning question for me was, what does it mean to be a woman? And also as a young teenager, how will I know when I've got there? <laughs> so I was one of those girls who was just waiting to start bleeding. I was not an early menstruation person. Um, I, In fact, my, my younger sister, who's 18 months younger than me, started bleeding before I did, which really <laughs> I felt very indignant about at the time. So I had, that was a, a, an area that was like, of passionate interest to me. I always gravitated to the pregnant mums as a, as a, you know, as I was growing up, I would like hang out with anyone who had a baby. Um, and that uh, interest continued. Um, my personal journey that led me into actually committing to my priestess path probably started in my teens with the question, you know, really, who am I? What am I here for? And then um, I went on an interesting journey where I uh, was strongly attracted to women, but the first person that I fell in love with who reciprocated my feelings was a man. And um, I had a strong conditioned script that it was going to be sexual with someone, that it must mean that we were meant to be together forever. Um, so uh, I initiated us getting married. It wasn't an idea that he had at the time. And when we were very close to getting married, he got to this place. He said, I, before we before we go through this wedding, I need you to understand something. I'm not ready to have children and I don't know whether I will be, like when that might happen for me or whether it will. Now, he was 11 years older than me. I was 19 when I got into the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> he was significantly older than me and way more experienced because I, I was still living at home with my parents and he had moved out of home to go to university eons ago, had uh, completed a postgraduate degree overseas, come back to Australia and taken up a teaching position and we met on campus. Anyway, this is a long story, but the thing is, I was pre-programmed to want to be a mum, but I was also very committed to this relationship. So I just went, yeah, okay, I'm sure it'll all work out and kept going. Unfortunately, what actually happened was that after we had had our wedding, um, I got more and more strongly the desire to become a mum. And the more emotional I got about that, the more distressed he became and the more he went, I can't do that with you because it turned out he had a long history in his family that his mother had had severe postnatal depression and he was like, you know, it, it, everything falls apart when you have a baby and I can't do that. So eventually I'm in this place where I'm married to a man who I love, who loves me but does not want to have children and I really want to. And I tried really hard to find a way to resolve that it stretched me out of my conditioned script for how to be a good adult person. And um, I reached out anywhere for answers. So I went and had my first ever tarot reading in one of the markets. I went and saw a psychic. 
I found an astrologer who worked um, in a different way, experientially, where you put all the astrological symbols down in a circle on the ground and you step inside and then you have an experience that's um, to do with interacting with those symbols and the energy that comes up in your being. And each time I did one of these things, it made me more and more aware that there was something um, really important for me about becoming a priestess. Uh, it was a thing that had been there in the background probably ever since I read The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley. I'm sure she probably sparked that for many, many women um, and which had got stronger as a young adult in my journaling and um, reading something by Starhawk. I didn't read I did not first read her classic text that everyone reads, The Spiral Dance, but I read um, a book called Dreaming the Dark, Magic, Sex and Politics, and it's a smaller book. And uh, as I was turning the pages, she was describing her worldview and her understanding of things. And each page I turned, I would have um, a moment of, whoa, that's, I, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> so by the end of the book, I closed the book and I went, well, that's what she believes, and she says she calls herself a pagan. So maybe, maybe I'm a pagan too. <laughs> and um, and my first kind of connection with the goddess was really um, in my own private world of imagining, in my journaling, in my dreams, um, and yeah, through contact with writings from people like Starhawk and some of those early women's spirituality writers who were just at that stage, you know, in remote Perth, Western Australia, there was one shelf in the university bookshop that had women's studies. And on one corner of that were the women's spirituality books. And I found them and went, this is for me. <laughs> so, um, so it had been there, but I had been kind of assuming that sometime or other uh, some teacher would show up to show me how to do this. And what happened instead was that I was in this situation of being in a, a deep conflict in a marriage that I didn't see how to resolve. And when I went looking for answers about how and when am I going to have a baby, what came back to me was, when are you going to step up and do this priestess thing? <laughs> um, and it culminated for me with an experience where I was driving to a friend's birthday party. And you might know, you know, you might have had this experience yourself when you're doing something that you don't have to think too hard about and you're in a kind of slightly trancey space. And suddenly these words popped into my head. It was like, wake up. When are you going to stop sitting around waiting for someone else to authorise you and just get on with it? And I kind of went, oh, oh, you're talking to me. Okay, I better do something about this. So at that point I went, okay, I know I'm supposed to be a priestess. I don't really know what that means. I don't entirely know how to do it, but I have a sense that it's around holding ritual and ceremony because I have, you know, been walking through and alongside the whole Christian liturgical context and I'm, I know what happens in, in church groups and so on. And I now also have a sense of um, that energy is a thing that flows through everything that's alive and that humans can tap into that and consciously work with it. And one of the things that had disenchanted me 
about the church experience was that the guy standing at the front wearing the ceremonial robes didn't seem to realise that he could be like moving energy <laughs> with this ritual that he was doing, <laughs> that it wasn't just about, you know, waving a few things around. There was actually an intention and some energy that could happen here. So I um, reached this place in my life as like, okay, are you going to do it? doesn't matter that you don't know what or how, you just have to say yes. So I set a date which I decided I needed to give myself three or four months time enough to experience whatever was going to come up when I decided to make this commitment. And I invited some people who were close to me in my life at that time to come and be my witnesses. And I created my own small ceremony and dedicated myself as a priestess of the goddess and said, okay, <laughs> I'm here, show me what you want me to do. Um, and, uh, and things kind of unfolded from there. So one of the things that happened was I had made the tough decision to end the marriage because it was clear to me that it was not going to work. It was making me really unhappy. It wasn't making him happy either. And so that was hard, but I did it. Um, I met another man who um, at the beginning was also not sure he wanted to have children, but very quickly moved to a place of, yes, actually having a child together would be a magical thing to do. Um, and so we did. And he also brought a lot of magic and um, understanding of the esoteric arts into my life, which I probably had been both reaching towards and a bit afraid of up to that point. But he was already in my bed being my lover before I discovered the full depths of what he was into. So it's snuck, they get, they got it snuck it in the sideways. <laughs> so I learned a lot from him in the short time that we were together. We had a beautiful child um, who's now an adult person living independently in Melbourne and uh, you know, I don't have as much contact with, but it was such an important journey for me. Along the way, um, I did some intense spiritual work in a small group that was oriented towards our own flavour of um, maybe contemporary. It wasn't wicker exactly because we did our own thing. <laughs> But we followed a lot of those kinds of um, structures and processes. And we worked specifically with the seasons of our land here, which is a little different than um, Northern Europe. And uh, we also uh, worshipped the goddess at full moons and had the experience of drawing her down into the body of one of the people in the circle. Each, each month we would draw lots to see who was going to do that. And that was all amazing, an amazing experience. But as small groups do, it eventually kind of fragmented. And then I had a period of sitting going, okay, and now what? <laughs> um, and that is when the Daughters of Ishtar work emerged. It was not something I um, set out to do. It's something that found me and... Uh, over the years, the, the original inspiration that came through, I have attempted to ground some of that in a series of ceremonies celebrating the solstices and equinoxes and the places in between. So it works on a similar 
um, calendar to the Celtic Wheel of the Year, but it's a different um, a different mythological system, a different set of energies that we work with. Okay, that was a long answer. <laughs> that was great to hear again the the story and the path and what comes up for me and maybe some people will ask because the goddess has so many different faces and we can work with her in different phases of our lives and in like there's so many ways and we feel probably called to different things but how did uh, like Ishtar and that like that particular form mm. of the goddess come to you? Yes, it's a good question. Initially, um, I don't think I used any particular name to uh, call the goddess. I just uh, thought of her as the goddess and she was kind of nameless and ancient. Um, but uh, as time went on, I kind of had a sense of affinity more with Inanna than I did with the Egyptian Isis. And I met people who were de devout worshippers of Isis. And I, and I just went, I can see what you've got happening, but I don't have that in my heart. Um, and then uh, I was in a, I was uh, part of a little group doing a, a connecting with um, spirit through a Ouija board, which was something that my um, my partner at the time was very uh, good at facilitating. So if he was on the board, you would get real <laughs> strong contact with um, entities that were kind of trying to guide us and, and help us move forward. And uh, they would throw things in that were just designed to stay stirring up. So you asked a question, you would get an answer. It was a little bit slow because it was the old moving the cup around on the board to spell out words and things. Um, and uh, eventually uh, my partner kind of progressed from there to a place where he would do full voice channeling and um, it was much smoother. But uh, back then we were on the Ouija board and I don't even remember what the conversation was, but something came up about this goddess work and the sense of connection to the old temples. And I think I had been asking why it was that uh, I had, even though I was really drawn into this work and it was definitely my commitment, why there were still parts of me that were really quite frightened of stepping back into the temple. And um, so we had a bit of a conversation about uh, that there might have been a couple of past life traumas <laughs> that were still kind of a, uh, working themselves out in this lifetime, or one to do with uh, one of those ancient Inanna temples and the life that it was connected to was, you know, in some way responsible for the well-being of a whole bunch of women in this temple uh, at a time when it was uh, ransacked by an invading army. So it was a messy <laughs> situation. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that was my life, but it's definitely a life that has an influence on this life that I'm in the middle of now. So what, when we when it came when the word Ishtar came up, I was a little bit like, well, why Ishtar? Why not Inanna? And so I had that conversation um, with this being that was talking to us, and uh, the 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 feedback was essentially, well, Ishtar 
was the worship of Ishtar was quite widespread, especially in her astral form. So when she's associated with the star, that she was um, really a preeminent um, name of the goddess in that whole ancient Near East for um, at least three millennia. So she had a very she had a very solid presence in the known world at the time, um, and tended to absorb other minor deities into herself. So <laughs> I think that the this I've been reading snippets of scholarly work about uh, some of this from time to time, and one thing that I was looking at earlier was saying that. Uh, because she's so complex and um, has connections in different parts with different names and <laughs> that it makes it very difficult for scholars to go, this is Ishtar, this bit here is, this is what she is. Um, and uh, so at the time I, I was like, well, okay, but maybe Ishtar would, could be a name that I could work with. Uh, when the first rush of inspiration for the Daughters of Ishtar came, I was, uh, I think, a little bit like, well, why Ishtar? You know, why not some other name? Why Ishtar? And I had another one of those moments, which haven't happened very often in my life, of feeling like an answer came directly into my consciousness. And it was, oh, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting shivers as I think about it. She said loudly in my mind, why not me? <laughs> I mean, I thought here I am in Perth, Western Australia, a long way from all of that. I have no Middle Eastern heritage in this lifetime. Um, so I I was kind of going, well, why Ishtar? But uh, these days, I think I believe that um, different uh, goddesses actually choose us rather than the other way around. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and there's something for you in that name or you're kind of thinking, well, you know, I don't know. Is that for me? I think if you ask, you will get an answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And sometimes it comes when we're not seeking it, because I feel like your your path into it was so different than, for example, mine, where, um, yeah, definitely I was not in I, I probably never heard about uh, priestessing and things like that, but she, Ishtar, came to me in a vision and said her name, and I didn't know so much, but then I had the roots from these areas where she was worshipped. So it's really interesting, and in different times of life, because she also comes when we need to have her presence there in different forms, right? So it's really interesting to hear your path and your calling and what you have worked with and it was just a perfect match when I found you because I was really actively looking for uh, uh, when I felt like I was ready to do a priestess training I was actively wanting to find you <laughs> and it took a while it actually yes. took I was like very much searching for a long time before I, I found this and it felt so right and then yeah, we have another sister in the training as well that I'm very close to and, and Ishtar had come to her as well. Very So it's really connected and we can trust that. And I feel also that the year of being in training with her is also like a healing year and a year of really connecting back to ourselves and our evolution, which 
means that even if you enter the temple, it's also a lot like you're priestessing for yourself, like uh, having a deeper connection with the goddess. It's a devotional uh, and ded- like you dedicate time and uh, energy into it. And But you have so much that comes back even when it's tough. So I'm really excited. But I wanted to ask um, what, uh, so the uh, Daughters of Ishtar temple now is, is a space where women can actually uh, meet online because you've worked a lot locally in Australia. But now also, as we started last year for the Northern Hemisphere, the fall equinox, which is in September, that starts a new cycle. And maybe people would love to know like what we have. I, I mean, I can answer that too, but I want, want it to come from you. Like this uh, path that we walk in the temple, uh, how that looks, because m- maybe some women who are listening now know about the Celtic Wheel mm-hmm. of the Year, know those points, because that's nature points. Uh, yes. It happens wherever, right? And Yes. Uh, but what, what type of evolution that we follow when we're working with the goddess? Yes, okay. So... Um... The impulse for Daughters of Ishtar is very much about restoring sacredness to our um, embodied experiences. So we're about healing that rift between spirit and body that the Western culture has kind of (laughs) inherited, I suppose. Um, And because we're talking about female embodiment in particular it's I, I mean I've always been drawn to work with women and that's the aspect of this temple work that I hold I'm sure there is more and if we have many priestesses there will be many forms in which this uh, work can unfold uh, my my dream is that one day there's a, a dedicated spaces where um priestesses and, and and anyone who's drawn to serve the goddess and can um can hold space not not only for women but for all gender experiences to to have that deep connection with the sacred feminine well for starting like the work for me now and maybe this is this particular lifetime for me is about holding space for women to come back to a sense that we do embody the goddess, that that is who we are. Um, And uh, however that unfolds in our lifetime, that there are special moments um, where there's an opportunity really to see all the blessing that's in there, you know, because I know not every woman relates to being a woman as a sense of blessing in her life. It's not every uh, lineage or a family has experienced being womanhood as being a blessing. Some in some contexts, it's been a challenge or um, a trauma of some sort. Um, so this is about holding a, a a healing space, not just for individual women, but for us collectively as women together, so that that healing can then flow out and change culture and transform our relationship with with the earth with the land as well hopefully um so so in the temple space 
it's like in in the year the sun goes through all those seasons we we have the we go around the sun but from our earth perspective it's like the sun goes around us in a big wheel <laughs> and so in the temple it's like we're standing in the middle and uh the seasons unfold around us so we move from one altar to the next at each um seasonal moment and we start at the autumn equinox usually that's like there is in a circle there's no beginning or end so you could start anywhere but the place where i like to start the journey with women who want to have the full experience is often at the uh, autumn equinox because this is the moment in the year when we celebrate the mystery of conception which is an obvious beginning <laughs> so at, at the in order for conception to occur there has to be uh, there has to be a willingness to be open to be transformed by the power of love essentially we have to be willing to open ourselves and have this intimate union with another being so that uh, new life can can spark and start and then um all of us were conceived so we all can connect back to our own moment of conception and all the soul impulses that came into this world at that time and then uh for those of us that have had the blessing of becoming a mother we can also connect with that moment of conceiving and when i say that i'm aware that uh, there is always a shadow to everything so with um, each of these mystery points there is the experience of stepping forward into more apparent abundant life but there's also the death side of things and so for some people there will be points in this temple cycle which are particularly poignant for them and an opportunity to bring some healing to something that isn't yet resolved for them in this life um, so for some people this place is where you uh, pray for the baby that you're wanting to uh, be open to bring into the world for some it's a place of um, grieving and healing a, a pregnancy that didn't come to term in whatever way we, we have our different connections with it but in all of it it comes back to being present in our bodies and opening to um the fullness of what that can be which for conception to happen is a complete openness to pleasure and desire and the surrender into all of that so i don't know is that making sense shireen <laughs> i i know yeah, this stuff I know this stuff so well, but sometimes to articulate it for other people is is challenging. It's like come and come into the temple and have the experience, and then you'll know for yourself what it is that it means for you. <laughs> exactly, and I mean we have all be, been conceived at one time, and even the world has been conceived, so we can experience that particular point in time uh, in different ways. Maybe each year in different ways, and see like what will merge together because there's like an emergence that yes. happens a union so that's what what i feel like is very strong for many people I, uh, yeah and that that also reminds me that um as much as it is about our physical lives it's also about our um 
spiritual and imaginative and creative lives. And so, you know, as we work strongly with this cycle of embodiment, we're also having the opportunity to open to something that wants to manifest in the world through us. And that could be anything. There's any number of different ways that spiritual impulses can manifest in the world. They don't have to be physical beings. <laughs> it might be um, a creative project. It might be uh, a kind of service that wants to come into the world or a message. Who knows? But whatever it is, something wants to come down through us. And in the uh, autumn equinox conception mystery ceremony, we have the opportunity to consciously open to a new cycle of co-creation. So then we move from the... Um, Conception mystery, the next moment in our cycle is the point between the equinox and the winter solstice, which is the mystery of uh, flesh. It is, the it is when we celebrate that gestation of the new thing. It's not yet visible. It's taking shape, but it's still hidden in the womb space. And we have, the, again, the opportunity to connect with our own experience of being in the womb space and also um, to experience that in a kind of more cosmic <laughs> experience of being, of us all being constantly uh, dwelling within the womb of the Great Mother, essentially. Um, and as the, the different parts of spirit and um, embodiment come together, we, we also honour our ancestors because they give us the gift through the DNA code of being able to actually have a physical body, which we wouldn't have otherwise. So, yeah. And yeah. all of this, which I'm telling you now, Shireen, I'm going to go into in some more depth when we do our introductory session on Sunday. So I'm hoping that uh, if you're interested and I've whetted your appetite, I can kind of give you a quick tour now but we'll go into it in some more depth on sunday for anyone who would like to join us exactly this sunday uh, on the it's the 21st of august uh, we're gonna have a live session so I'll, I'll share that in the links in the show notes and probably it will be recorded if someone wants to access it afterwards as well because we're starting a new cycle in a month a new priestess path a new priestess training <laughs> for anyone who is interested and I can highly recommend it but yeah we can move through this cycle of of our journey as you said briefly now and then we go deeper into it in a few days yes so just continuing on so we've done conception and now um gestation and the mystery of quickening as we call it when the the which is like the moment when the mother can feel a new life moving inside her we still haven't met this being on the outside yet but we have a sense of them starting to take shape at winter solstice we celebrate the birthing mystery and how that kind of opens everything <laughs> <laughs> opens us inside out near, nearly in order for this new thing to come fully into the world. Um, all of us have been born. Some of us have had the experience of giving birth or being present and supporting others to give birth. And uh, that is an amazing blessing if you've had that opportunity. Um, 
And if you haven't, you can come into the temple and you can get a taste of what that energy is actually like as we invoke it and uh, go deeper into it as as uh, Shireen and Anna did in their own way um, as part of their training cycle. And then uh, we move from winter solstice to the place that's halfway between winter solstice and spring equinox. And this one is the breath mystery. So um, it, our breath, our first breath brings us into independent life. We all celebrate the baby breathes <laughs> and is going to live. Um, and at the same time, with that first breath, we breathe in the air that has been shared and recycled through countless living beings on the planet. And we become kind of part of this communion that is the breath and uh, in the breath mystery as well, connect to, it's like on the one hand, yes, here we are now as an individual human being who's kind of separate from mum, beginning to to develop into a, our own selves, beginning obviously, but at the same time, we we also celebrate that uh, as humans, we not our consciousness is not limited to being in this body. We also can have an expanded experience of going to the stars in our um, in our spirit beings. Uh, so all of that. So with the first breath. We're moving more into the light and uh, at spring equinox, which is like the dawn of the day, um, we celebrate the, the mystery of uh, that in arms phase when mother and baby are together and nursing and the mutual gaze between mom and baby and the mystery of breasts and breast milk and just the whole flow of nurture and how that actually happens because if it didn't, there wouldn't be humans on the planet today. <laughs> so, um, so that's the spring equinox, and we continue to grow and mature. And at some point, we get to this next place, which is the mystery of blood, as we grow from girls into budding into womanhood, and we celebrate the the first blood. Um, and connect with our first experience of menstruation, but also the way that uh, after nursing our babies, at some point our cycles reassert themselves, we begin to bleed again, and we begin to create some space, some separation between ourselves and this being that we've been totally absorbed in being a life support system for up until now. And that, again, this is not... It's not a, uh, there's not an equal amount of time in between these things as we move through this cycle, it accelerates. And isn't that life? As I, as I sit here at my age now, I think, yes, time accelerates. The older you get, the faster everything goes. <laughs> uh, so from the blood mystery, we move to the summer solstice and we celebrate the aspect of Ishtar as queen of heaven. We celebrate her full solar radiance and step into uh, our own maturity, our own light, I suppose, as sovereign beings in our own lives. And, uh, and that's a beautiful celebration. And then um, because we need to move beyond being like, it's wonderful to have a self and important and everything. 
And yet for new life to happen somehow, or we have to move back to that place of complete surrender again. And the way that we do that is by moving through the mystery of desire. And so desire calls us to step beyond our known. It, 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 uh, it touches something inside of us that yearns for something more, for connect, deep connection with something other than ourselves. And, uh, and then this opens the way to the next moment of conception. So that's a very quick <laughs> tour. I think that's very beautiful. And it also um, shifts a little bit the focus from like the the worldly and what's happening in nature which we connect because it's our cycle as well but we i feel like going through all of those points each point has been healing on different levels because we can connect to all points even even if the conception means the conception of projects new ideas things like that for example or a conception of a new healing path it's really meant for everyone um, no matter our physical experience or no matter where we are in the world and what connection we have so i really appreciate that our path is really the 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 embodiment of the different phases of the goddess and what i also really love is that we uh, this um, in our practice we call in very different aspects of her of Ishtar as uh, the cosmic mother uh, the the earth the womb the heart the the foremothers the uh, the ancestral lineage so there's so much to it and I think that for anyone who is really wanting to deepen the connection with yourself and with with the goddess this is a great path to take and very allowing. And I mean, I, I feel like our training really was um, was intimate and very uh, beautiful. And it, it, the time does go fast. And I feel like the year went by so quickly, but we're really excited to have the initiation and to continue. We will continue having like local circles here in Sweden and um, I'm wondering also you you touched upon so ceremony and rituals are really important yes <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> like that's how the relationship and the connection starts I want to also share that for each ceremony and ritual that we've done different things have come up and no ceremony is the same and some ceremonies have been very for me like transcendental and really uh, like downloading a lot of things um, and visions and communion and and some have been like more physical and some have been more emotional so it's on different but what is the 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 different ceremonies and rituals what what is the uh, the essence behind them maybe if someone is wondering what it means and what kind of ceremonies are we talking about? Yeah. So yeah. because it is our temple tradition, our ceremonies are mostly done indoors. Uh, that's my preference um, because it's a contained space and private and you can build the energies. Um, 
and have altars with all kinds of things on them without worrying about anything getting rained on or knocked over by the wind. <laughs> so there is beauty in working outdoors and I have done some of that, but uh, these ceremonies are usually held indoors. Uh, the ceremony is not a, not exactly a scripted ceremony, like if you went to a Christian church, there's a, a whole liturgy of you know the priest reads this and the congregation read this and then we sing this. Um, I do have a scripted uh, ceremony, which we do sometimes as a healing ceremony, but this, these ceremonies, it's about opening sacred space and then uh, bringing in all the energy that connects with this particular mystery point that we're celebrating and whether we do that through uh, words, through music, through um what we place on the altar or through some kind of symbolic gesture that we might do together or individually. The intention is really just to open this field of energy so that you can go into it and have the experience that, that you need to have um, and be open to some um, communication from the goddess about whatever it is. You can take your questions to her and, and get a sense of an answer. Um, they're definitely devotional in nature, so it is about a space for just um, uh, celebrating and worshipping the Divine Feminine. And although uh, we do it under the blessings of Ishtar, it is a very universalist kind of approach, so every aspect of the Feminine is welcome in the temple, essentially. Um, so... I just, do you think that gives some impression of what these ceremonies are like? Yeah, and I would recommend anyone, if you want to experience it, it's all about um, setting the intention, opening up, inviting in, um, receiving, giving, uh, connecting with different important parts of life, um, finding that inner creativity somehow, like deepening your senses as well and, and connecting with your higher senses. So I think it's it's like working on all different levels because it's so many aspects to it. And then just feeling and meditating with that. I think that's really, um, yeah, it's beautiful to, to join in on that. And so if anyone is interested um, in the priestess path, uh, priestess training, mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can just shortly um, explain how it's, uh, yeah, how it's structured. I, I, I mean, I can also do it. <laughs> uh, I, I can talk a little bit about this. So um, from near the beginning, I guess I had a sense that there were uh, a series of initiations that would take us deeper into the priestess uh, embodiment in this lifetime. And the first one um, is a, a ceremony to awaken Ishtar within your being and bring her energy up through you. And um, in order to receive this initiation, it's like beautiful to have experienced the full cycle of ceremonies in the temple. So uh, when Shireen uh, contacted me and said, do you do priestess initiations? I said, well, I can, but uh, you're in Sweden, I'm in Perth, so we have to work out how to do this. 
Um, and for me, the physical being in the temple is really important. So it was a challenge to see how how can I share this with people who are on the other side of the planet in a way they can have the experience they need to have. And I think the way that we have worked with it this year is something that is very repeatable. So it will be slightly different with different women because it will respond to whoever's in the group and what their needs are. But essentially, uh, what we will do is I will do some teaching to have a basic idea of how this whole thing hangs together. I will teach some practices for opening the sacred space and uh, you will gradually create your four altars. So as we reach an altar, then you will learn more about that aspect of Ishtar and create your own altar um, to celebrate her. And then um, I will guide you through a process of doing your own ceremony. Now, if you're lucky enough, like uh, Sharina and Anna, to have a buddy who's close enough that you can get together with them and do the ceremonies together, that is absolutely wonderful. But I know that's not always possible. So if you are the brave soul who feels called to do this and you know that this is something you're here for and you really want and you can see how it might complement the skills that you've already gathered or open the door for you to go and gather new skills to to complement what we do in the temple space. Um, doing this year together will bring you to a place where you are uh, feeling like you could maybe step into holding that space for other women in your local community. That's my intention really to to seed this possibility for people so they can then see how they want to share that locally and connect with other women in the ceremony space in physical. So for that reason, I'm not proposing to do online ceremonies. Um, what we will do is we'll have a mentoring circle. You'll get some guidance about how to create, set up your space and what to do in the space. And for the first one, we'll probably do as I did last year, where I basically pre-record me doing all the invocations and instructions so you can turn on the sound and just follow the guidance. Um, and then as the year goes on, you'll build your own confidence to, to hold that space for yourself a little more. So after each ceremony, we'll also debrief so you can talk about what happened for you and we can talk through anything that came up for you. And uh, maybe there'll be some more suggestions about what else is good to do as a follow-up. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. And and in between the ceremonies, we had some uh, like journaling practices, art practices, like um, brainstorming, but also like tuning into different energies. So there's things happening in between that lead up to the next one and then everything ties together. So it's really, I mean, we get so many tools to work with yes. this energy and and then the ceremony is like the highlights and each ceremony is different. So it's uh, it's really interesting that way. And I really love building the altars and and connecting with that energy and the different portal guardians. And yeah, a lot of the interesting stuff has happened <laughs> through the ceremonies as well. So I can yeah. really recommend that. And we will also be there to support and 
I'm really happy that we did this uh, episode together that we could share this and I really highly recommend everyone who's wanting to connect connect deeper it's a really great program uh, very affordable uh, very easy to follow and gives so much so uh, thank you so much Ishara for sharing if you don't have anything else you would like to share right now no, really, just, uh, I mean, you can tell that I love talking about this work. It's 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 in my heart and uh, I love to share it with other people. So if uh, this has sparked questions for you, um, please come on Sunday or get in contact uh, through our, our Facebook page. And um, I'm very happy to have a further conversation and answer specific questions you might have. Mm, yeah, definitely. I'll share the links and we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and the website I will also link to. And yes. uh, the, the program starts in a month, so there's enough time to um, yeah, answer questions and things like connect with me if you have any questions. And thank you so much again, Ishara, for coming on and sharing everything. Thank you. Mm-hmm.